Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to True Health Live. We are at, guess what, episode 20. Who knew we was going to make it? It's the song to make it this far. Can we just talk? I think that was bad. It's the dawning and the singer <laughs> in the dawning. But you know the song I'm talking about. So we're at episode 20, and we are just going to talk. You know, there's a lot of things that have been happening on, you know, just everywhere, and especially on the public health front. We know that the pandemic ushered in this realization of public health, right? And that's all that's been on, like, the lips of everybody, in addition to, like, all the wars that have popped up, violence in, you know, different countries and what have you. On the Internet, they're talking about all sorts of things. People have just, like, been going stir crazy and some have just plainly lost their minds. So we're going to try to have a little bit of steady and, you know, discuss some of the things that have been going on. And what we want to kind of talk about is, you know, what's on everybody's mind and everybody's lips as the country and cities are reopening, right? People are returning to work. And that's what's happening with um, vaccines, right? So we know that reports are showing that a little over 60% of the U.S. population is um, vaccinated. And um, we know that like when people are returning to work, there have been so many mandates passed down. So what we want to really go over is like, how are people feeling about that? What have been, what have we seen? You know, um, you know, some people are for it. Some people are against it. You know, what do we think about, you know, some of the divisiveness that it's caused? You know, how do we kind of figure out how to bridge a gap and come back together and kind of like make sense of everything? You know, there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Um, but how do we kind of take a step back and say, okay, this is what we need to do. So I'm interested in hearing what you ladies have to say about it. You know, first, I guess it's like, do we think that like these numbers like mean anything? Like, you know, we know over half the country, but we still see these reports of people are just like, you know, and some of it is a mixture of like, maybe some people are misinformed, but I do think that there is a lot of people who are not misinformed. They're very informed, but they're just making a conscious decision to say, I don't, I don't think that's right for my body. And I do think that that as public health people in the public health world, that's merited. We know that um, um, homeopathic and naturopathic medicine is real and alternative methods are real. And if people have figured out how to stay healthy, then maybe there's, you know, some room to take a step back and look at that and say, okay, how do we kind of make a space for this group of people? So mm -hmm. that's kind of like my intro and what yeah. I think about it. There's more. But I would yeah, I would actually love to jump in um, because when I was listening to what you just shared, the idea of informed consent, you know, being um, particularly in the field of, of behavioral health, right? Um, talking about mental health, uh, a psychiatric hospital, there is oftentimes a, an, an area within um, mental health care that is not considered by the, the greater population, which is um, treatment against your treatment over objection, right? Many don't recognize that because if you decide, oh, I'm going to have this tumor removed, yes, no, maybe so, um, you elect for surgery, um, it's your choice. 
But there is something called treatment over objection, right? And then there is a process of informed consent. Um, And I know that a lot of the folks that are informed and making informed decisions, whether they're making informed decisions to be vaccinated or to not, because we're we're really not, you know, picking a side here. um, I think that oftentimes the question for those who are choosing to abstain is, is their right to make an informed decision being encroached upon by the laws of the land, um, by their employer? Um, and so when you think about mental health care, there is a strict criteria by which we have to argue the case in court to say, you know, Deidre requires um, treatment over objection or Deidre requires to be ad- involuntarily retained by the hospital for the safety of herself or of her community. Because if she does not live here with us and receive treatment, these are the things that she's been known to do in the community, for example. Um, I, I don't think that that argument has been consistent, appropriately made for uh, the widespread like requirement for vaccination. Like I don't think those that are choosing to abstain um, feel supported, you know, as it pertains to informed consent. So it's important that people dig into that, right? We, we like, we give nuggets, but it's up to you all to research and know what these terms mean and, and how they apply to you. Um, so that just, that, that was the first thing that came to mind is like what that process is in being an informed consumer. Um, I think, um, you know, piggybacking off what Precious also said in terms of the informed consent and the mental health aspect, um, I think a lot of people have been through, you know, have a history of trauma. And the, there's an element of these kind of mandates that kind of can feed into that, you know, trauma that they're potentially not healed 100% from um, can exacerbate that. So I think we're dealing with, you know, and, you know, following on what you said, Deirdre, in terms of we're living in an environment of fear. I mean, throughout the pandemic, it's been jumping from one panic to the next. And, you know, there's always something new that crops up. Uh, but I think this currently where we are, where we stand now, I think when it comes to mental health, this is something that, you know, is becoming, uh, you know, at the forefront, um, you know, something, an issue when it comes to when we look at public health, um, be it children, young people, um, you know, older people, it's just, you know, fear regarding how to navigate this pandemic, um, how to deal with, you know, um, new traumas that are emerging, you know, based off of old traumas. Um, and just, yeah, just a confusion, generally speaking, when it comes to kind of how to move forward. Is there hope for the future? You know, what's what's going to happen, essentially? Um, so, yeah. Those are all valid points. And authentically speaking, um, I'm just fed up. <laughs> like most people, I'm just like, people have the right to make the decision for themselves and say what can and cannot go into their body, what they're comfortable with, what they're not. Um, I've heard so many, so I've gotten so much feedback from like, you know, colleagues and friends and family, community members. Um, And it's just terrible. It's a terrible predicament to be in. And you have families that are really faced with these life altering decisions. It's like, I don't want to do this, but if I don't do it, I'm going to lose my job. And what do you do if you're the only breadwinner? Like if you're only income in this household, what do you do? 
So a lot of people are making this sacrifice to be, you know, experimented on. Um, and because they want they want their family to survive, it's like survival, right? And so they're doing something, they're going against what they believe because the employer has now mandated this. And if they don't do it, they lose their income. How how do they survive? How do they take care of their family? It's heartbreaking. Um, it's the toll it takes on your mental and emotional well-being is is horrendous. It's very it's it's and I can only imagine for those healthcare workers, frontliners who worked the entire time, were keeping things going, treating people, the nurses, doctors, everyone on the front lines who wrote this thing out and, and did all they could to help people and keep people alive that do not that do not want the vaccine, who who are still here without the vaccine um, throughout that period of time. And now are being told, well, if you don't do it, we have to let you go or we're going to lay you off. We're going to suspend you for 30 days without any pay or anything. And we'll revisit the conversation to see how you feel. And if you still don't want it, then we'll have to let you go. Like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. I saved all these lives. I contributed and worked and put my life in jeopardy because this is the oath I took. And you're telling me because I don't want to take this vaccine, you're going to let me go. Like that, that to me, just it's it's beyond unfair. You know, it's beyond unfair. And I think like employers need to really think about that. And also folks who are against the vaccine need to come together. Like you said, Precious, do the research, right? We may give information, but do your research, have the solid information, the facts, come together and protest it. If, if it's a hundred people in the organization and 60 of you are saying, we don't want this and you go against what that policy is or what they're trying to in place, they're going to have to rethink that decision because as a business, 60% of your employees being laid off or, or you letting them go is not, is not feasible, right? Especially if you're in healthcare, if you're providing a service to the community, to the community that is needed. So I think too, we have to also realize the power we have. And again, I'm pro-choice. If you choose to make, the decision to take the vaccine, that is totally up to you. And if you choose not to, that is also totally up to you. And you should not be shunned and you should not be shamed about the decisions that you make because to each is his own, right? Um, but I really believe um, we can't just sit back and 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 do nothing. If you, you can't just sit there, talk about it, be angry about it and like cry about it, you have to do something. And for those who who feel like they don't have a voice, you do. You just have to muster up the courage, ask questions. Even if you don't want to be the one at the, the forefront, ask questions, get together with other folks and, and, and work as a community, work together to figure something out and 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 show up to those town halls, show up to those meetings um, with your employer, voice the opinions you have at that point, because that's why they created them. Um, I know my employer has townhouse all the time. And I'm like, uh, you know, twiddle fingers, my daughter says, I'm asking tons of questions because it's like, if you sit there and you don't ask, then how would you know? And if you don't challenge them, then it's like, they just do what they want to do, you know? Um, and, and one thing I want to point out, we're in New York, right? We live in New York and we hustle and there's always a way around something. And so people are finding ways around things, you know, around this, per se, right? And um, it's just like when you force somebody to do something, just like a kid, when you tell them, no, don't do that, what are they going to do? They're going to do it anyway, right? So you're telling me I have to do something I don't want to do. I'm going to find a way to, to, to still stay true to me 
And here, go ahead, do this, because I want to take this if it satisfies what you want, but I'm going to protect myself and, and stay true to who I am, and I'm going to do what I need to do for my family. And when I am ready to cut ties, I will do it in my terms. Right. We're finding ways. You, you know, know? I, I think that the you kind of took it full circle, right? Because you started by saying, I'm fed up, which it, what I wrote down, I, I'm, I, I jot a lot. I think y'all know that. So <laughs> I, I write down like words. So powerless came to mind, right? And I'm like, yeah, that is like, you know, as much as I feel like I'm taking control as best I can, there is a, a, a sense just on television when, when I speak to staff, just my neighbors, there is a sense of powerlessness, right? Or how, or a question of, well, how much, how much control do I really have over my, my, my choices for my children and for my family and myself? Um, and I think the, the sad reality of what living in the home of the free and the, the, the brave um, actually represents to many of us, right? Um, but with that, because I, I, I don't want us to kind of revel in that, right, the trauma and that powerlessness, because I think the resilience comes from from hope and from solidarity. So I think, you know, kudos, Anishka, because you really did take it from fed up powerless to hope and coming together. Um, and with that, there are ways to fuel, like to kind of flip that trauma response um, and use the the it's almost like a, it's like a historical reminder. Like you, you cringe because it's like, you know, you recognize that th something about this reminds you of something else. So it's like, you know what, now you have an opportunity to do something about that trauma that you might not have been able to, you might not have been a staunch advocate for yourself the last time, but this time you can. Um, and because we are, we, we do strive to have a balanced discussion. I do want to say that, um, Running a hospital, uh, it is very challenging to make the right decisions or to know that you're making the right decision for the organization. Um, because you have many, many people that you want to, you want to be sure that everyone is safe. And if you're told that this, this vaccine, this, this, this process can ensure the safety, then that's what you want to go with. And I think many employers and, and municipalities may believe that that's, that that's the case, right? That this is all we have. So we're going to push all we have. Um, but I think oftentimes we have to be, we have to kind of take the blinders off and not have a myopic view of things. Um, we often talk about the allopathic versus the homeopathic approach and perspective. Um, we do know that there are countries that have taken a more naturopathic approach to dealing with the coronavirus. And I don't think that that's really widely shared in the West. Um, and I see Alia, you know, really not nodding her head. I think that that's an important discussion for the powers that be to have, or as Anushka said, for those who are informed to come together and say, well, listen, you know, um, we have been showing up and we haven't been sick. And, you know, I mean, but maybe our lifestyle is very different and what we eat and, and how we manage stress is just different. So therefore, guess what? 
the virus didn't just accidentally miss us. <laughs> we weren't a good host. We weren't good incubators for said virus. So there's that, you know, there, there's a lot to examine. Um, but some employers, I think, are just really required by their funding sources to do what they now must do. And it's an unfortunate predicament for all. Oh, excuse my big fingers. <laughs> but I was just agreeing. I was like, yeah, like, you know, some of it is, you know, especially like in the nonprofit world, you know, these are mandates coming out by like the cities and the states and they are mandating that their employees and subsequently like contractors, these are the rules. So a lot of the times it's not necessarily the employer saying like, well, we want to do this. It's like they're kind of being pushed or backed into a corner because it, it, it matters because this is, you know, their bread. This is how, you know, the, the organization stays running. And then what happens is it's like, well, should we, you know, just kind of fall in line and do this? You know, it's a mixture of like, well, we should fall in line and just do it for everybody because then you'll have a mixture of employees and organizations where you're funded by this group, you're funded by that group. So you guys have to do this and you guys. And so then it becomes, well, why do they have to do it? You know, people then do want like uniformity. So it's like, well, if we have to do it based on what's being sent down by a, you know, a particular funder or funders, we may as well, we may as well just make like a blanket for everyone because it, it's not going to work to where we, you know, do it for some and do it for others. Then there is also, you know, the, the fear that's mixed in because they're made up of people, right? And so it's like, yeah, well, I, you know, but I think this should happen, you know, and, and I get that when people are afraid, you know, these are the things that happen. And that's why I said at the same time, like if we're in public health, we, we have to widen the lens. That's what public health is. It's very broad. So that means that the tactic, the strategies, and then the tactics of which we do things have to reflect that broadness of what the field is we have to like take into account everything and you know yes it has to stay evidence-based i won't like did you know kind of uh move away from that it has to stay evidence-based so then it takes us back to making sure that when we're talking about research that it includes a lot of research because I mean, then what happens is you have the people who are like well i believe in modern medicine i do too i i don't expect to you know um patch up a gaping wound with a leaf, you know, and that's just like, you know, very <laughs> dramatic, but like I do too, because there are some things that, you know, modern medicine will, will do it quicker and easier, but if there is something that works and it's not been proven that it doesn't work, then maybe we should look into that a little bit more. Maybe more funding should go to those things. So we do, um, you know, like you said, Precious, like we can have more news outlets opening up to what's actually being done in other countries and not all the mainstream things. Because the other thing on a lot of mainstream, it can be really confusing. And I'm sitting here as a public health person who has, you know, experience in research and reading documents. And I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? I thought yesterday you said this, you know? And so if I'm sitting here confused, what is that doing for the regular person who does not do, you know, research for a living every day? It's confusing, you know, in one moment, if you're saying that, you know, um, that the rate of transmission is, is about the same for both who have been, you know, have received a shot versus those who have not. And but then say like, well, everybody who's propagating are the ones who haven't received it. That's confusing. It's double speak. So it's like, let's let's have one unified 
message so that you know people are not confused give them the correct information so then they can you know say okay well i understand this i'm going to either do it or i'm going to not they decide not to don't you know ostracize them or don't like alienate them and then make them feel bad you know i mean you you have the power over how you feel but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, if, I'm, if I make a decision and it might be against everyone else, I'm like, no, this is a decision. But you know <laughs> what? And, and it's so funny because I feel like I have daily, daily conversation about this. So uh, y'all have to forgive me today. But the, the I, I think it's really an unfortunate predicament for everyone to be in, for all of us to be in. Um, and I'm going to use the example of the reluctant um the reluctant voluntary uh, person. So you were reluctant. You weren't sure about taking the the vaccine pre-employer requirement. You took it anyway, you know, due to maybe family pressure, societal pressure, because the pressure is on and it's really intense um, for those who are identified as abstaining, right? There's almost like a, a a stigma, or dare I say, a scarlet letter kind of being brandished on anyone who decides to not take this vaccine. So let's just follow that thread. So there's someone, they're reluctant, but they do it because they think it's the best thing to do. They subject their body to whatever this is, and they take the two, let's say they went with Moderna. Well, let's say they went with, yeah. So they take two shots, right? But now there's talk of a, the need for a booster. Yes, right now they're saying it's primarily for those who have immunocompromised um, predicaments, but there's also discussion that the, there's a question about what the efficacy and how long, you know, those who have taken those first set of doses will really be, um, and I don't have the technical lingo, so I'm going to pivot to Alia, oh, you're over here, to Alia in a moment, but the concern is that right now the average New Yorker who can go to restaurants because they're vaccinated and who can go to museums and all of these, I guess, cool things that you now have the privilege of participating in. It's important that you recognize that if you've taken the stance that you don't want to take any more vaccines, when the booster becomes mandatory, you will be considered not fully vaccinated. And I don't know that everyone understands that. That this is going to continue and continue and continue. Um, so with that, <laughs> I'm going to mute out because I see Alia is ready. <laughs> so I have a lot to say. And uh, basically, I'm not, not entirely sure how to start. But going back onto what you said, Deirdre, in terms of, you know, public health being a broad kind of, we need to apply apply, apply public health in a broad fashion. I think... I don't think it's so straightforward and black and white as that, because in some instances we need to be, you know, function as a collective kind of society. But in many instances as well, um, we need to kind of be kind of focused on what benefits the individual because everyone's different. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that we are kind of lacking that nuance, that sort of, you know, What's good for one may not be good for someone else. And we need to kind of stratify the population based on, you know, risk benefit. And I think this is something that that risk benefit is becoming so skewed because, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, we're doing this for the greater good. 
but in actual fact, not necessarily because, you know, the benefits may, in, in a certain population, the benefits might outweigh um, the risks, whereas in another population, the risks may outweigh the benefits. So I think we really, it's a very lazy way, I would say, to kind of view everyone as, I mean, we are all in this together. That's not to say, you know, the unity is important. But I think we we also need to understand that we are human beings and we're all very different and come from very different backgrounds. Um, and like you say, you know, some people health-wise are a lot better than other people. Um, for example, when it comes to metabolic health, um, you know, you may think, it may it works in both ways you know somebody that's you know obese for 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 example we already know that's a comorbidity um for getting a bad case of covid um we also we also know that you can't you know metabolic health it doesn't mean that you're thin you're technically healthy per se either so these are things that require time it require a lot of research to kind of delve into and and look at comprehensively at the moment i think we're just applying this very broad brush stroke onto everyone which is really unfair it's inequitable and to be honest uh, and frank it's affecting minorities more than anyone um because these people are the people that don't have a choice when it comes to losing a job they don't have the funds they're not financially in a position to be like okay it's okay i can be laid off you know um so for them it's in for, for me kind of trying to comprehend what they must be going through is it must be ridiculously traumatic um and i think the difficulty like you say is we still need to remain hopeful um and positive regardless and you know again coming together and knowing that there are people who are in similar positions, I think is really, really kind of, it helps promote that positivity that we're not alone because I think that's the messaging, what the messaging is kind of, you know, it's achieving at this point where people are thinking, oh God, we know we're alone, we're, we don't have anyone, no one else is going through this. You know, other people are enjoying the public spaces that we're potentially being restricted to. Uh, when in actual fact, there are more people who are probably feeling the same way. And I think having that, you know, acknowledging that, knowing that, um, can just give you a little bit of, you know, a positivity boost amidst all this kind of fear and panic. Um, Precious, also just, you know, going off on what you said in terms of, um, I think you said that, you know, the duration of the immunity um, in terms of vaccinated versus, we haven't mentioned this, but the natural immunity as well for those people, a number of people, a great deal, you know, we're talking about a great number here who have, you know, uh, you know, been oh, survived, you know, COVID have natural immunity. And the interesting thing is, uh, you know, going through the papers, scientific papers it, over and over again. And it's no surprise that, you know, natural immunity seems to be, you know, the case for natural immunity is very strong. You know, people that have recovered, um, may in fact have more durable immunity than those who are double vaxxed. Um, so those people are also being, you know, pushed aside, not being acknowledged. Um, you know, what about them? Are we potentially doing harm by, you know, giving them extra, pers you know, they now, I think the headlines were, you, you're superhuman or you have superpowers, super immunity, you know. Uh, I, I, I just, um, I think... Yeah, we're not looking at this in a very comprehensive way. Um, I understand the fear, the panic, the fact that, you know, losing one life, you know, it's it's not, we, we can't just, you know, say, oh, it's okay if we lose one life or two lives. It, it's just, it's very, it's a very difficult kind of 
a situation to navigate uh, because there are people that definitely would benefit from getting vaccinated. Um, so it's about, I, I think, going back to stratifying the population, um, informing people and encouraging people to really assess the risk benefit, uh, but also giving that giving them that choice. You know, I'm also pro-choice um, and that's really important, especially now that we're entering into the realm of, you know, vaccinating children. It's a very slippery slope. It's it's a very, you know, scary kind of terrain to kind of be navigating as parents, you know, as a new parent myself. Um, I probably wouldn't have acknowledged how, you know, difficult and challenging it is. But now I'm in, you know, sitting in that kind of that seat. I kind of appreciate that, you know, that's something that people must be really, you know, worrying about. The fact that as well, I think it's 12 I think 12 year 12 year olds and above also are restricted in terms of public spaces again if you know a family a minority family need to kind of keep their children entertained what do they do mental health comes back to that um mental health issues we're seeing that more and more in children first it was the zoom kind of uh, um uh, kind of landscape that we're navigating in terms of schooling, etc. But now we're also navigating, you know, not potentially not having access to public spaces, which is even worse. So, yeah, lots lots to be said. But like you said, Deidre and, and Precious as well, you know, uh, and Anushka as well, we need we need a lot more research when it comes to this. And of course, I think it's important to say and just go end it there is that, you know, science is ever evolving. We there's no one, you know, one thing that we know now will potentially change moving forward. So we have to acknowledge that. And I think that makes it a little bit more, well, a lot more challenging in terms of how we adapt, um, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just wanted to piggyback um, and come back to the mental health and fear, fa the fear factor. <laughs> um, so out of fear, um, like like Aliyah said, you know, people people just want to try and save lives, right? So out of fear, it's like, well, we have this vaccine, it's gonna work, you know. Let's everybody take it, right? Because the goal is to try to save a life. But then the piece that I feel that people are forgetting is when you force people to take to do something they don't want to do, what does that do to their mental health? Because if you're forcing someone to take this vaccine, a person of uh, a minority think about what that's doing to their mental and emotional being, right? That can drive them into suicidal thoughts because all they're thinking about is I'm going to lose this job. I cannot provide, but I, if I take this injection, I don't know what's to come. How, what is that going to do to me? So it's just the stress, the stress will cause illness. It'll cause them to break down. You don't know what kind of impact that does on a family, not just an individual, but a family. So while you're trying to save a life because you're in fear of not what will happen if the people don't take the vaccine. But what about the, what about that same aspect of trying to save a life? What will happen well, the thought process, I'm trying to say this the right way. What's going to happen with those folks who are forced to take it and are taking in all this stress and all this worry, and it's going to lead to the same thing? Are you not in fear of losing the life then? Because it looks like, like, like you guys said, like we're all agreeing, it's a hard place to be in. It's a terrible predicament either way we turn. And so there's inequities everywhere, mm -hmm. right? It might be great for some for those people for the people who are making these 
decisions, right? Like the funders that, that then pass it off to the employers who then put the pressure on the employee. It's like, you have to think outside the box. You have, you, it's, it's, it's human, like, like it affects every human, not just one, not just a particular group, it's everybody. And we have to do something that it works for all of us, or at least have a, a how do you say, overall well-intentioned, um, where you can say, okay, I, I want to do this because this is right for me. And if you say, I don't want to do this, I don't feel it's right for me or for my family, especially my, my, my youngsters, then I have the choice not to do that. But it's like fear does, fear, I feel that fear does not solve any problem. It doesn't solve any problem because it's, you're fearing, you're like, you're not thinking positively. You're not being optimistic. You're moving with the fact and the knowledge of, of like making up your mind to say, well, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. And that this is going to happen is a negative, right? It, because it's driven through fear. But if you have an open mind and you're thinking outside the box and you're looking at different perspectives and having, you know, profound conversations, thought profound, um, uh, profound conversations, um, and you're just you know, critical thinking, <laughs> exercising that, you will probably find other solutions. Like I'm one of those people, I have immunity, natural immunity. I recovered. And you're telling me if I put this vaccine inside of me, that's more, that's better than this, the natural one, like that my body has developed, like my body, you're telling me that's not good enough. That makes no sense to me. You know, and and that that is those the, those particular the people that fit in that category. It is very important to bring that up and to talk about that and to do more research on that. Um, and yes, the science is changing all the time, but some things are common sense, <laughs> right? Some things are just like, all right, this makes sense. We don't need to run all these exams and whatnot. Let's look into it a deep deeper. Let's do more research on this and 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 see what comes. You know what we can do here. But um, yeah. I'm just concerned about that the mental health piece, right? Because either way you go, people's lives are in jeopardy. Their livelihoods, their families, their children. If my daughter was any younger, if she was under the age of twelve, but and then they decided to say, okay, well, those children have to get it. I would probably want to flee <laughs> the states because I, I, I'm like, no, you know, that's just, it's very, it's, it's scary, but I think we have to be brave and we have to, we have to speak up and stand up for ourselves and for our beliefs. Um, because if you do not, and you just succumb to what they say, then you're just going to follow suit and whatever is to come. It's like you have, you, you were part of that, right? So we have to take responsibility as well. And wherever our beliefs are, we stand up to that and we stand true to ourselves and and keep pushing, keep pushing, keep asking the questions, keep showing up, keep showing out um, in the most intellectual and give pressure. Be intellectual, speak, you know, speak with the knowledge that you have and, you know, put pressure when needed. Because sometimes people are like, okay, whatever, you know, they won't take you seriously. But when they see that you're serious and you're like, no, we're, we're going to do this and you're going to answer these questions and we're going to have this conversation and you're going to justify why you're telling me that I need to do X, Y, and Z. Where's the justification? Where's the proof? Where's the solid evidence? And so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like a few things, like I, I get like, you know, the whole point, what we, what we know about public health is like, yeah, we want to prevent disease, 
promote health and prolong life. And a lot of the times, and, and I had a guest on one of my other shows, and she said, you know, the thing is like, they want the, the idea or the goal is to address the masses. So when you have like, oh, a small group over here, like they, they don't always get heard. At the same time, to your point, Alia, we know that science is ever evolving. And that's because people are always evolving. So we have to kind of go back and be like, okay, well, what doesn't work anymore? We have to be able to, to say like what has changed so that we can, you know, augment the behavior for something that could be more amenable to the masses, right? Like there's always gonna be the outliers, but you have, right at this point, there's a lot of different groups, a lot of different things, right? So then it comes to like, when we're thinking about, and this is like to um, kind of what, to piggyback on what you just talked about in this group, when we're having people go back to work and we have a lot of these mandates coming down, you have the option of either getting a shot or testing, you know, some places that's not even an option. It's just a shot. And that's where you're, where people are being pushed into a corner, which is so unfair. Um, but then you do have places where your option is, you know, testing. In a way, that could be unfair because it's not necessarily all things are not necessarily covered by your insurance. And we are at a time where people are under or not insured, right? We do have Affordable Care Act, but insurance is always, you know, has always been an issue for people who are in underserved communities. And so if we if we are moving in that space where it's like, okay, well, I do have an, an option, right? And that's to get tested. Can I afford it, right? Not everybody will be able to afford it. So then, you know, those people become part of the group that's pushed into a corner. Then there's like, you know, the other piece where it's like what you, so I'm going to go back to what you talked about. It's like, you know, if there's natural immunity. If there's the option for exemption, why is that not part of the exemption? Because you have to have a medical exam and it has to, um, and I think right now it has to be an allergy to something that is currently in the ingredients and the makeup of what is in the shot. And so, and that's fine. That makes sense. At the same time, why can't natural immunity be added to that? You would have to have a test and a doctor would have to, you know, um, would have to verify and confirm that there's natural immunity because you've had it. I see antibodies, whatever it is, whatever that, that, that marker is that they can say, okay, you'll, you know, you'll be okay from, you know, catching it again. And, and the truth is there have been stories of people who have caught it twice and been fine and da, 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 you know, and it's, I don't want to say it's like a cold, but like they're here, you know? Um, also people were like, oh, it's just like a flu, you know, it's okay, I'm, I'm fine. So then what happens for those people who now have it in their system and they actually are fine, they are not going to be transmitters because we know that, you know, because the viral load is higher for those people who have received the shot, you know, within a certain amount, their viral load is higher, so they're actually transmitting, you know? So so what do what do we do for those people? Why is it that they cannot also be added to a medical exemption. So you have, okay, you have an allergy, so here it is. And then maybe every couple of months will change because the ingredients may change based on how things evolve. Do Are you still allergic to what's in it? And you, you know, you'll have to do that. And I think people would be fine with that. You know, again, still check like how your antibodies doing or whatever. Are you still uh, immune to, you know, the strain that has now morphed or whatever? Those are things that can be done. Will you have to check up on them, you know, within a certain amount of time or interval at intervals? Probably. But there are definitely ways to make 
um, broad accommodations for people who don't want it. Then at the same time, I do think that there is that 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 group where it's like, I don't want to wear a mask. And so before, but I, before we even get to that part, I, I thought I saw like some mice of you. So if there's somebody that wants to say something before we get to that part, because I do have some thoughts about that. And I, because I think that is the part that's a little bit selfish. Um, but, you know, anybody has <laughs> I just want to quickly just um, add on to the whole um, uh, natural immunity testing for that. So the difficulty with that, and it's a lot more complicated than just testing for antibodies. So some people will have, you know, still have antibodies within this, you know, the immune system and they can be detected. But now what's mm -hmm. coming to the forefront and a lot more research is being done on this is the importance of T cells um, yeah. and being able to test for those because people who have a higher, more robust um, immune response tends to have, you know, a, you know, detectable T cells, which, um, indicate, you know, they and and then the thing is, you have to also bear in mind that currently there's no, I think it's the antibody testing that's done routinely, but not so much. They don't, people don't test for T cells. I think you have to pay for that privately. Um, so there's that aspect to consider. Then you've also got the fact that some people that are immune are not necessarily going to test positive for antibodies because, and that doesn't mean they're still not immune. So there's a lot of complexity when it comes to this. And I think we really need to kind of, you know, people need to really understand this. Um, we need to kind of accommodate for such, um, you, you know, nuance when it comes to testing for natural immunity. And I wanted to just jump in really quickly. Um, and I'm glad that you acknowledged that for some, um, they're kind of between the mandated vaccination or weekly testing. Mm -hmm. Now, what I, I wanted to just touch on with the weekly testing, which is uh, primarily PCR testing is what my understanding is, or the nasal pharyngeal testing, right? Yeah. How is that impacting your nasal cavity when you are compromising your immune system, your, the, you know, your inner ear, and, and even your ability to fight off infection when you're subjecting yourself to a weekly test. Um, my, my children had to travel, had to, my children traveled out of the country um, during this, during this time um, and they had to receive PCR tests. And I'll say for my, my, my son, it was extremely traumatic and he had uh, respiratory problems thereafter. Um, and so I just, am, I'm just like, even for those, how is that? That's just to make you so uncomfortable that you concede. Yes, it's 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 like okay. If you don't want to do this, then you know what? You'll be subjected to this. Um, yeah, just something to consider. Like, look up what the implications are. And there are studies. I've been looking at a few of them that are beginning to kind of examine what the implications are of exposing yourself to weekly testing. Um, yeah, just another thing to think about. <laughs> um, I do know that there, I do see, um, on YouTube that there's quite a bit of a chit chat. I don't know if you noticed that, but there, there seems to be a lot of comments happening. Yes, I did. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get to the, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was like, we have so much to say. Um, so, you know, a lot of it has been like, you know, very, um, you know, in agreement with what we're saying, you know, um, Kashia, 
had, you know, said, you know, talked about like the response being like very impulsive and aggressive. And I, and I think I would agree with that. I see that. And which is, 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 is upsetting and disheartening, right? Because we're supposed to be researchers and scientists and rely on the evidence and not just fear. And, and, and I think people would say like, well, we are relying on research. But the other thing is like, this is so new for us. Again, like we haven't seen something like this since 1918. All of us who are alive right now, this is not our reality. This was not our reality. This is something that like people, you know, we have maybe some centenarians who, who may remember this, but they were children when this happened the last time. So the research is changing every day. So when yes, when we're saying like, well, you know, this is the research and it's showing this, it's shifting daily. So to, you know, create uh, mandates and 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 policies based on something that is shifting daily is 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 it can be a little bit dangerous. Um, and, and it's, and I, and I find it, you know, very, it's, it's upsetting, you know, for that to be happening in the realm of public health. We're supposed to be a little bit more, um, level-headed than that. Um, and then, um, she says like, you know, when you're faced with a decision, you know, talking about people who are kind of being backed into a corner, when you're faced with a decision so quickly, there's a panic, especially knowing the medical history of this nation with their medical treatments and injections. Because the first thing that I think of, um, I'm like, well, you know, especially when, we, when we're talking about people of color, it's um, Tuskegee. And, you know, it's like, well, we already know what you did back then, you know, <laughs> like, and some of it you're still doing because even after Tuskegee, there was eugenics, you know, so it's like these are, are not things that people are um, unfamiliar with. I, I will say there's probably a whole lot of people who don't remember because what happens is a lot of the times because there's so many distractions we have youtube we have tv and blah, blah, blah. people you know have short memories because we're constant things are constantly being thrown in our face we've experienced so far like throughout this whole um you know these, these last what has it been like 20 months there's been like several wars conflicts we have all these natural disasters popping up so there's been so much kind of thrown at us there's like, where do you turn first? You know, there's like just a nothing but confusion around. And when you're confused, you never make the right decisions, you know, because you're just in a fog. So I would agree with that. And um, Sham the Joy says the audacity. Um, and um, Chris, Christopher Magneto says like, you know, it's cognitive, uh, responding to Kashia's comment that it's cognitive dissonance at a level that's hard to fathom. The average person gets two to three lies before they're untrustworthy. The government has immunity, apparently. They can break the rules and we, you know, still have people that trust them. And that's my point about like, you know, when we, we saw things like eugenics and Tuskegee, you know, but you go back to like, well, this is what it is. And some of that, you know, I'll, I'll, to, to, to try to be fair, some of that is like, you know, the the public like announcements to like we want to be you know very cognitive and thoughtful about equity and 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 cultural competency and here's the things that we're doing to make up for that we are you know going to agree publicly and say that you know those those things that were done to certain people in the raw in the past was wrong and you want to you know it's kind of like okay okay because a lot of the times where are people going to go this is where they live right so not everybody's like thinking like well I'm going to go somewhere else. This is where they live. This is where their life is. This is where their families are. And so people are really going to just be, you know, want to, they want the best. And so if you're seeing these things that are saying, okay, well, we're going to try to make it better. You want to, you know, think that it's going to be better. And some of the things, some of the things have been, you know, so I don't want to 
you know, negate things that, that have, you know, maybe been beneficial for people. So then, yeah, they're going to go back. But at the same time, then we'll have something like this. And it's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Um, so, because she says, like, you know, she's thinking of the children that she has yet to have. There's no solid mm-hmm. research of the effects on the reproductive system. I do not mm-hmm. want to risk infertility or med- any medical issues within the kids that I bear. And I understand that when, you know, I'm very, like, sensitive to women who are, you know, being mindful of their womb. You know, yeah. it, it, I have no... And just to, just, to, <laughs> just to add to that, Deirdre, they're currently, they're just, uh, I think the NCI are now funding a study to look into the menstrual changes that occur. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's an, a, a great deal of, you know, there's a lot of talk around what's been happening in terms of that. A lot of women coming out, you know, and speaking out about, you know, the menstrual changes. And there currently is a study undergoing to uh, being undergone at the moment to kind of look into that. I think it's a, a year long study. Yeah. Okay. And you yeah. see, the research is ever changing. So to mandate something where we don't have all the information and some of this information, we're not going to know until 10, 20 years down the line until we see the children who have received it when they grow up or children who were in utero when they, you know, when their mom received, when the mother received it. And then it's like, uh, is there more aggression? Is that you know? Is there something we don't know? And that's not to say like, oh, we're going to see that, but we don't know. We, you know, what we do have since we're evidence based is things in the past where that happened, where mothers were told take this, and now we see issues um, with the children later on in life. So, you know, it's something to think about. You know, when you mentioned um, the trust and the trauma component. Um, it just reminded me how our perspective can be, you know, as limited as our geographical location. Um, you know, yeah, there, there is, you know, Tuskegee, but I think as a, as a Caribbean American, what it also took my mind to is the, how I always, as a child, I can identify a Caribbean person anywhere because all you had to do was wait for, see their arms. There, there were vaccines sent across the globe to uh, eradicate, I think it was smallpox and perhaps polio. And that vaccine did not cause in, in the United States and in other, um, other wealthy countries, the vaccine that they received did not cause scarring. It did not give a circle with a series of dots, but it did, but, but the vaccine that was sent to other countries did. And for a generation or two, you'll know those people by the scars that they bear. Now, that's a physical literal, um, but we don't know what whether the scars of the future will be physically literal or not. Um, but it also just speaks to inferior products sometimes being provided because we've got to test what works and what doesn't. Um, there's just a lot that, that I think can be said and should be said about how trauma is going to impact all of us. I think it's amazing that we got to touch on um, the stress component because with all of this, I think we're forgetting, um, not us, but I think it's being forgotten how significant um, increased stress um, opens you up to disease and illness, not just mental illness, but physical illness. 
Um, so I'm worrying about my job. I'm worrying about my children. I'm worrying about whether they can go to school or can't go to school. I'm worried about taking this vaccine or not. I'm worried, yet I'm supposed to be optimally healthy in order to fight off disease. Um, it is, as someone put in the chat, cognitive dissonance to have to exist in such an environment as that. Um, and then you're worried about whether you can even trust the powers that be who are who are pushing this. So we want to give a balanced perspective, but it's almost like right now what we're given is the side that's unseen, right? Because there's the light and there's the dark. Um, and sometimes you have to kind of flip it to that dark side so that people can appreciate what that perspective is. I think Precious what definitely agree with what you said. And I think also um, just the way the messaging has been, it's just adding to the hesitancy, I think, and the, the lack of trust. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's making it much harder to the extent where I even question um, how many issues are going to come about because of this and how much of, how many, you know, how those issues are going to set us back in terms of public health and making advancements. You know, that so, so many things that we've done, I just feel are just going to be undone because of you know, this whole experience. Um, and just going back to, I think we've mentioned this before about the stress uh, and how it relates to disease, but we, we know for a fact that stress increases the level of inflammation in the body. And inflammation is one of the first things that, you know, kind of leads on to disease, disease development, especially when it comes to cancer. So it's, it's an interesting um, kind of link. And it's something that over time, accumulation of the stress and such high levels of stress um it, it's worrying as to how you know that's going to make us more ill more diseased um as a population yeah and, and you know this a, a thing about stress is like if the body is in stress mode is in that stress response and off and on off and on like too much you you like you said you open yourself up to disease and that's not just like it, it can even affect like your brain function because like, mm -hmm. these are all like triggered response systems. The stress is a triggered response system. It's like a defense mechanism that the body has. So if you're always in this defense mechanism, you'll, you'll get weak. You know, this is a real thing. And I'm not explaining it in those scientific terms. I don't need to. Like, that. that is the truth. That is real. And we can go to, like, research papers and, papers, and we see that an, an, a prolonged stress response will lead to disease, physical disease, and, and changes in the brain. That is the truth. You know, having this conversation as, a re as we're talking for this time, it, what stands out in my head is that this time that we have and that we've been going through this whole pandemic, really, I know for me for sure, and I, I know for, for you guys probably as well, it really makes you take a step back and reevaluate everything, every aspect of your life from your employer, or from your family dynamics, everything to really say like, I know I have power, like, and I need to take and step into and embrace the power that I have to determine and make these life decisions. Because when we think about it, with our jobs being on the line, induce the vaccine, with all of this information and misinformation, it's like, you just wanna say, stop, enough. Let me take full control of what's happening here. Let me figure out what I need to do for myself and my family. Let me get it together here because getting it from getting info from here, from there, listening to this one, that one, having someone take 
um, stay in control of my livelihood, my financial livelihood, that doesn't sit well. So it really makes you reevaluate a lot of things like what's important, what's not. Like for me, for instance, I'm a mom, a single mom. And I do have, I have support, but I am the sole caregiver of my child. She's 16, but still she's a mama's girl, right? And I, and she needs me now the same way she needed me when she was five and six years old. Every two seconds is mom, 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 mom. But I have to really think about, you know, do I want to step out on faith and just do my own thing? Because my employer is not going to work with me to with my schedule to make sure that I can take her to and from school because I'm just like, I don't want her to get on public transportation. The subway, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied specifically. I have to reevaluate a lot of these things. Like many parents, like just many people, like what do I want to do? How do I want to have control over my time? What do I want to focus on? How do I want to live my life going forward? And do I really want to leave my livelihood up to an organization slash a company um, rather if I thrive or if I don't in my professional life. Like it's so many moving pieces. It's so many things to really think about and, and reevaluate. And just listening to the conversation, I'm just like, wow, it's so much, you know. Thankfully, we're, you know, we're educated, we're aware, we're, a- we're able to have this conversation. We're able to identify our, you know, our options and, and you know, move around and maneuver in ways that maybe some, so that others can't. And so it really just makes you think like, okay, even with all the privileges that we have, we still bump into these walls. Imagine those who don't, who don't have those privileges and don't have those options. What, could, what are they going through right now, right? Um, and, how, and how do I, in the, in the process of making it work for me, that I make it work for others too, that I show them, okay, these are, our, these are our possibilities. Maybe this will work for you too. Like, you know, how do I help my community in um, looking uh, to, at things in a different perspective so that this doesn't bury people and bury people alive? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to go over to the chat um, really quickly. Um, I'm going to like just skip ahead because she says her mom has a circle scar she got it with her and her family was stationed overseas and, and you'll see that with some people some people who are, are not Caribbean are not from another nation like they will have a circle scar based on like you know when they were born and like what the inoculation at that time was um but but I I agree with you just like like you know walking around like you know I'm like oh circle scar so that means you probably weren't born here you know yeah like they're like <laughs> interesting like identifiers too right so if you're moving around it's like very subtle ways of saying like someone else some, from someplace else right so so what is that doing you know um i just want to say something really quickly i used to do that with my mom because she had one but she had like a little dent so we'd go around the family and look at their arms like let's see let's feel the dent <laughs> and that's how you knew <laughs> It, and precious, I, when you said that, I was like, "Oh my god, that is so true." Everyone from the Caribbean has that, like, so. But yeah, I, I didn't actually that. know that, so that's not a piece of knowledge that's quite, mm-hmm. you know, interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so and look, we all know it as like an identifier. Nobody's like, "Oh, it's like you know." We, yeah, we know what it is, but it's like a physical way to identify. You may not be from here, so and we know that we there. 
we know the history of this place. Not even history, we know the, the present, right? Of this place and identifying people who are, you know, other and, and how that how that results in like treatments and things like that. So that's really interesting to point out. Um, I wanna skip down to something really interesting in the chat. I don't know enough about this, um, but I wanted to like call out the comments. So, cause she says like, let's not forget the quote unquote, get the vaccine or stay in jail rulings by judges. I was not aware of that. Um, I, so, yeah. so that to me is- That is I don't know too much. I, I just know what I've seen. And I've saw clips of like judges using that mm -hmm. as like a leverage, the vaccine. Well, if you, you can get off a of parole X amount of years early if you take this vaccine. Or you can do less time in the county jail if you take the vet. I don't understand yeah. what grounds they stand. Like, how is that okay? How is that legal? Like, you're just, yeah. Uh, I, I can't speak much more than what I saw because I was just so disgusted. I was like, I, I'm like, I don't even want to dig any deeper right now in that moment. And this was recently. Um, but I would love to learn more about why this is even an option and why judges are able to do that. Well, it's being used as a bargaining chip, right? Um, the the once <laughs> trying to pick my words carefully here. Once <laughs> it has been determined that this is this thing is what's necessary, um, you you'll often see that the first to be indoctrinated are those that are identified as. Um, Oh gosh, I, I don't even have, I don't have the, the vocabulary to like be crafty about this. So oftentimes those that are criminalized are the guinea pigs. Um, I, I think history tells us this, right? Um, and so what's happening at this point is it's not just the those that are hospitalized, you know, um, and we haven't touched on the patients, right? And, and unfortunately I'm, I have limited time this afternoon, but I wanted to just say, you know, yeah, we focus on the employees and employers, but we're not, we haven't really touched on patients who are being pressured to take these vaccines. I'm not even going to touch on, you know, one's capacity as it pertains to my arena. How do we even know that these patients have the capacity to consent to take the vaccine? But the, those that are in the criminal justice system, they have no rights. They have they have rights, but oftentimes those rights are 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 they, you can navigate around them and you can kind of um, cajole them to participate in things that they otherwise would not. Because if it's between, um, as as Sister Kashia put in the chat, it's between get your vaccine or stay in jail. It's your freedom or this vaccine. So which one do you mm -hmm. choose? Um, yeah, so it's, it's something to think about. What just and it, it doesn't require you to be a conspiracy theorist to kind of wonder what is so what is so special? Why why is this push happening? And and why is it happening in such a systematic way? And what as an individual and as a collective can you do to rail against it? Or can you, right? Or can you? Um, or is it about, as Anushka said, um, reevaluating what the priorities are? Because guess what? In your early example, if 60 out of 100 employees 
no longer have a job, then guess what? That company no longer exists. So if that happens state by state, city by city, country by country, um, it sets a different reality. It sets a reality where what is the value of a dollar or a ruble or any other currency, right? What is the value then when no one has any? What becomes valuable? Um, So I'm closing with a bunch of questions because we're talking, but you have to do the thinking for yourself um, and informed decisions. So, yeah. yeah. So like, we can just like, you know, end it there. And I think I'll just recap, like reiterate, do the research. Don't just go around like, I'm not doing it. No, why? Have, have, be able to have a coherent and informed reason why you're not doing it. And if, and if some of that is like, because I don't trust it, then that's fine. You can, you can have that, but know why. And, and don't just, you know, you know, be like, well, I'm not doing it because then you just kind of sound like a peanut gallery. It is important to be able to back up, you know, the reason why, right? Especially if you are in a situation where it's like your livelihood is at stake. And if that is, and if that's the case also, it's like, we have to figure out how to have more agency over our bodies and our minds and how we move. And that means like, we have to figure out what being a sovereign means, you know, like, what are we going to do? So, you know, that's that. Then I just wanted to like quickly say like, you know, we're in these situations where, you know, employers and places are making these mandates and you have figured out a way to move in it. I will say like, in some of the cases, it's like, you know, if, if if masking is part of it, and we do know that there are special masks for things, and there's only like maybe one mask that kind of does everything. But when we're talking about mental health and psyche, sometimes that helps, you know, whether you are going to get, you know, the shot or not, just wear the mask, because you don't want to walk into a place and put somebody who's just doing their job in jeopardy for having to say something to you, because that is the policy. Just wear it because by doing all that extra, you're just causing more problems and you are causing problems for people who have valid reasons why they don't want to, you know, get vaccinated or not. It's not hard to wear a mask. And if there are some people where it's like it, it, do, it is a problem, then, you know, that's fine. And you can, you know, there's there's ways to explain that. But like just like being a bully and just being really like belligerent and ignorant, like I, I, I do think that that is a recipe for disaster and making it really difficult for people who have valid reasons why they don't want to get the shot, you know, it's making it hard for them. So we have to like really think about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. You know, I don't know if anybody agrees or disagrees, but like, that's, that's, that's how I feel about it. That's my story. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> so, uh, Ali, are you going to say something? Okay. <laughs> like, so, we are going to wrap it up. So um, what if wearing a mask is making people sick? You know, that is something that, you know, I've heard um, in some places and that's fine. But then you have to be very measured about where you go and what public spaces that you move into. Right. Because there is going to be if if, you know, it's it's just kind of like the, the mandate. If this is your employer and you're kind of back into a corner there does have to be some like figuring out like what are we going to do whether it's like you know coming together as a collective and saying this is what it is you know most of us are not here for it but if it's just but if you're going i think into a space where it's like i'm the proprietor of this store all i'm asking is that you wear the mask like it's really not that hard or you got to have to figure out movements to 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 do that like i don't i don't think you should put employees who are just trying to do their job in jeopardy because you want to 
go because I've seen people cough all like that's just nasty anyway. You know, mm-hmm. like don't do that. Don't do that. But you know what, Sister Juju, you make a really valid point. Um, so yeah, first I want to touch on the um, mask making one sick. So I think what's happening in the, in some instances, and and I don't, you know, there are different definitions for sick. But one thing to consider is when you're using a cloth mask, it's oftentimes convenient for you to kind of re-wear it, right? You may have them coordinated for your outfits, as many women do, um, and others. Um, but you have to remember that you should only be wearing your mask once between use between cleaning, right? Between cleaning. So that's one thing. Another is um, you want to really try to be in an environment where you can get as much fresh air as possible. So you don't have to kind of always have your mask on. Um, and then the only, the third point that I wanted to make regarding the mask is uh, those that are vaccinated, um, I think have a certain, like uh, someone said, like a, you're super immune or you whatever, I don't know. But there's like this superiority that, you know, I'm vaccinated and I don't need to wear my mask. And I think you really need to be informed about, uh, is it called breakthrough infections? Yes. It's breaking through the vaccination. And so you want to wear your mask for your own safety and for the safety of others. So those are my three kind of touch points. Yeah. I think yeah. precious definitely just to quickly wrap up um i'd say yes those people you know the vaccinated also need to take responsibility it's not just oh i've been you know vaccinated therefore i don't need to take any precautions it's this again superiority kind of thinking um that's not going to get us anywhere good um right. also just to touch on very quickly i was actually reading um about a specific case where a lady had undergone some sexual abuse in the past and wearing a mask for her, that particular individual, mm-hmm. was very traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be very, I think as a, as a, as a collective population, we've, we've lost our empathy for people. We're just quick to judge, um, quick to kind of assign, put people into different boxes, you know, just for the ease. You know, it eases our ability. We don't have to think too much about it. It's just very, again, coming back to it's very lazy. Um, And I think we just need to bear this in mind that there's some people that actually may have legitimate reasons as to why they cannot wear a mask or should be exempt from wearing a mask. So I think, you know, just keeping in, you know, being considerate about these people and not discriminating against them is really important. And and that was something that was eye opening for me because I actually hadn't thought about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay, thank you, ladies, for all of your thoughts and input. You know, we love to, like, share all our ideas and opinions. We opine, and we also give, like, you know, factual information. And this one is just like, well, this is episode 20. Let's talk about what's happening. So that's what we did. So thank you, everyone, in the chat for joining us. If you are catching this after the live, thank you for watching. As always, if you uh, you can catch us at 11 a.m. on Sundays, True Health Live on YouTube. You can also catch us on True Health Live on Facebook. And um, if there are any topics that you want us to go over, things you're interested in, please, you know, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. You can, you know, so you know, like when a video is coming up and you can put things in the chat or you can email us at truehealthlive at gmail.com. You know, I always try to get back to you. Um, you can also go to djusully.com and put things in the comments there. Um, and we make sure that we get back to, to folks about like different comments or, you know, thoughts that you have about the show. So with that, we're going to close. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you in the forward. Peace, everyone.
Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com. See you next time.